Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Justice Stout. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity. In the last several years, we've given away more than $250,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to contribute to this sponsorship fund and podcast, please join our Patreon community today at patreon.com slash renew the arts. I can't wait for y'all to hear this episode. Cynthia introduces me to another incredible individual. Chai Matthias does a lot of things, but what strikes me particularly about her is the amount of life and energy she has, her remarkable story, and the spirit of grace that surrounds her. I do have two warnings for this episode. First, there is some violence in Chai's story, so you probably want to listen out of earshot of children. My second warning is Chai is filled with the spirit, so if you've gotten used to my and Michael's flatlined Presbyterianism, buckle up because it's about to get awesome. But seriously, we cover great topics from rest, writer's block, trauma, receiving inspiration, Sabbath, and arts as an opportunity of reconciliation. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. This is Art and Trauma with Cynthia Giles and Chai T. Matthias. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for connecting me to another amazing person that I haven't gotten the chance to meet yet. Um, I'm sitting here on Zoom with Cynthia Giles and Chai Matthias. Matthias. Oh, no. Matthias. <laughs> Matthias. <laughs> Matthias, it's okay. I juked okay. myself. <laughs> Matthias. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited about this conversation. But Cynthia, I was wondering if you don't mind kind of uh, giving a... Introducing us to each other a little bit of background and why you thought that we should all get together and do a podcast. Well, Justice, thanks for having me as a co-host. I'm excited to be here, and I know this is going to be really powerful and just something that everyone can take away some good points from. So Chai T, she's amazing. I met her several years ago. She has such a heart for the arts. She has a heart for bringing creatives together. But even more than that, she has a story of overcoming. She overcame a lot of difficult challenges that actually gave her the freedom to use her voice to empower other people. And so the reason I thought, you know what, I should bring Chai into Renew the Arts and into what you're doing justice is because she's someone who not only is a creative of, of herself, she's a creative, but she's also someone who advocates for creative. She's someone who speaks up for creatives and the church and the combination of how we can break through in those areas. And, um, She's a vocalist. She's a songwriter. She's a marketplace pastor. She works in the ministry. I have creative activation. And I just know that she has something solid to bring to you all that's really going to just um, enlighten us and give us new perspective. And Justice, I met you over a year ago, and I know you have a similar heart. You have a similar desire to see creatives walk together in unity and to see us really break through and break free. So this is a great combination. It's like sparks <laughs> right now, and I'm excited, and I cannot wait for this interview and what's going to take place. So, Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much, Cynthia. Of course. Chai, I am intrigued. Uh, I want to hear your story. So 
you know, what are, uh, as much as you're obviously willing and, and comfortable to share, but I'm curious as to what got you to this point where this is such a passion in your life. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you both for inviting me to share my story um, and inviting me to hear, you know, just to sh- share my heart with Absolutely. your audience and creatives. I just want to say thank you for that. Um, my thank story you. goes back to the beginning, like most people, you know, I was born into um, a, a family um, that put God first. I was born into the faith. Um, and even as a little girl, I remember singing in church choirs and, you know, singing in various community choirs and things like that growing up. And so I've always had a love for music um, in my heart. Um, but a very pivotal point in my life, my uh, mother, I was born to a 17-year-old uh, single mom. Uh, she was a young mom when she had me. And so by the time we got to middle school, life had its own set of problems and challenges. Um, we mm-hmm. moved to um, Houston, Texas. And um, I recall, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade being an amazing school and uh, falling in love with the violin. And so in middle school, my very first instrument, besides my voice, um, was the violin. And so that's where I learned to read music. And that's where I learned to make a joyful noise with the instruments. Mm. Um, I was also very um, involved and active in the youth ministry at our church. Uh, we were a member of a church called Bread of Life in Houston, Texas. And it was amazing. Uh, the worship was amazing. <laughs> mm. And that's the one thing that was profound, even in middle school, is how amazing the atmosphere of worship was, although I was still, you know, struggling to really understand my relationship with God at that age. But a very, very powerful moment in my life um, happened at a youth camp. Uh, we had gone away to youth camp and Carmen was our worship leader. Oh, <laughs> Carmen wow. is an old yeah. school evangelist, psalmist. <laughs> so oh, I, I, am, I am familiar with Carmen. <laughs> I have one of his gold records framed. That's yeah, not even a joke. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he is awesome. And, you know, if you know anything about Carmen, you know, Carmen Live was nothing to play with back in the day. Uh-uh. Um, uh-uh. <laughs> no, he's, he was hot. He, he is an entertainer. Man, he is just electric. Uh. So that was the point of my um, (laughs) salvation, actually, when I had a true encounter with the living God. It was um, during worship. Uh, Carmen was leading worship. All the youth were down front uh, worshiping Mm. the Lord and the fire of God hit me like electricity, literally. Um, <laughs> wow. And I began to speak in other tongues instantly. Um, and I remember calling my grandmother saying, oh, my God, I can speak in tongues like you. I was so happy. <laughs> that fire, that fire. And so, you know, my journey really began at that moment. That's when my grandmother began to teach me about the gift of intercession and, you know, how it was not only for myself to edify my spirit, but how God could also use that gift of intercession for like my mom or for my family or for my community or if I was having, you know, issues at school or anything. And so I just Mm. began to cultivate um, my gift of intercession and got involved, you know, with the worship team at the church. Of course, after that, I was sold. I was like, 
this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but a year <laughs> later to the date, um, my mom and her husband at the time and my baby brother, this was in 1992, um, we moved back to St. Louis. So I had finished middle school um, by this time and I was now a freshman in high school. Um, so we moved back to St. Louis, which is my home hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, December 6th, a year exactly to the date, 1992, my stepfather walked into my bedroom. Um, he stabbed me 13 times. No. He beat me beyond recognition and he left me for dead. And one of the most um, painful, both physically, uh, emotionally, um, and creatively um, of the, the stab wounds I received was in my neck. It was on my left side and it actually nicked my jugular vein. Um, so I, go ahead. how did you survive? <laughs> so as I'm fighting for my life, literally fighting for my life, I called on the name of Jesus as loud as I could and began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Freshman in high school. That's all I knew to do. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was to call on Jesus and to pray in the Holy Ghost. And so that's what I did as I fought for my life. And I remember audibly telling my stepfather, my father in heaven, um, because remember, I had a whole year of discipling uh, with the Lord um, at the church that we were at before. I had understood God as father early on. Mm. And I told him that my father in heaven is not going to let you kill me. So you might as well tie me up and leave me to die. And that's exactly what he did. He literally tied me up with an extension cord and threw me in the bathroom and left me to die. Um, it was during that moment that I heard the audible voice of God for the very first time. It was the Holy Spirit strong on me. And I kept hearing him say, beloved, you have got to get up from this place. This is not the place that you're going to die. This is not the place that you're going to die. And so I had to fight past fear um, false evidence appearing real that my stepfather was still in the home, fear of just really not knowing what was on the other side of that bathroom door and stand to my feet and run to safety to a neighbor's home. And so life for me really began at that point, because that was the point of the most intense pain and trauma that I had ever experienced. Although life before then hadn't been perfect, I at least had my mother. Um, I found out later on when I got to uh, the hospital that my stepfather murdered my mother. Um, He killed her um, by stabbing her 32 times. And so now I am also motherless. And so where do you go from that place? You go a year, a year before you have this encounter with God, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and now you're motherless. And now the man that you called father um, or dad um, is gone because he's on the loose. <laughs> he just tried to kill you. He just raped you. Um, and now you're finding out that he took your mother's life. And so for me, at that point of pain, I had to draw into my relationship with God like never before. My grandmother told me that. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so a year um, after burying my mother and just kind of navigating through, you know, the rest of high school, literally my family started um, taking me to different services, church services for prayer, for worship, but also to share my testimony about how God spared my life. And I became a young evangelist at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And so I know the power of God. I know the power um, of the Holy Spirit. I know that transformation is 
is real. And I also know the power of the arts because although um, I had that jugular vein nicked on the left side, I was no longer able to play the violin because I had no feeling on the left side of my neck. But God literally transferred the gift of music to my voice. And then from there in high school, my grandmother put me in voice lessons and I went on to sing opera theater. And so I've seen the power of music. I've seen how God will use your gift and what the enemy means for evil. He'll turn it around for your good. Um, and I'm just grateful to still be, um, you know, walking this journey out, doing what it is that God called me to do and using my voice to glorify God. Wow. Yes. Whoa. This is exactly why I had her on because she is an overcomer. You're an overcomer, child. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for being so transparent. <laughs> oh, man. There was so much right. transparency in that. Just yeah. authenticity. So my heart is, uh, you broke my heart and then put it together. I, it, uh, <laughs> that was a little too quick. Um, oh, man. Chai. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm also overjoyed to see where, you're, where you are now. And yeah. um and yeah, like Cynthia said, how you've overcome and, and to see the Lord working through your life despite that incredible amount of pain yes. and, uh, and trauma. That mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible. So, um, what to, man, I have so many questions. <laughs> uh, the, uh, for, for, okay, so you ended up singing, um, you ended up taking voice lessons and you mm -hmm. sang... In an opera choir, is that what you said? Well, my grandmother put me in voice lessons when I was in high school. So as you remember, when the, the incident happened, I was a freshman. And so right. maybe about junior year, maybe sophomore, junior year in high school, um, I started developing this sound this mm. that my grandmother noticed. Mm. And I guess the, the Holy Spirit must have kind of <laughs> told her, you need to put her in some vocal coaching. <laughs> mm. So I started taking private voice lessons and it went from just me having a sound to having an operatic voice. And so I literally started singing Italian arias, uh, O Mio Babino Caro, uh, Visi Darte, and I became enthroned with operas. And I thought I would be the next Leontine Price. And so I literally went to college for opera theater, vocal pedagogy. <laughs> is that what you graduated in? Uh-huh, vocal pedagogy. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Okay, so and I and okay. Uh so you went to yeah, you graduated college in it. I assume mm -hmm. that you did lots of performances while you were in college studying this. <laughs> I mean, yes. doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Did you go on the yep. road at all? Like were there did the college put y'all on any kind of like um tour or anything? Yeah, we did. We did yeah. some brief tours. Um, I did a lot of um, competitions, solo competitions and things mm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, it was great. It was fun. Um, music just became my everything. Um, singing. I always wanted to get back to the violin, though. That was my first mm. love. <laughs> mm. But mm -hmm. the voice became the instrument. Um, and so I just really... Um, just threw myself into that and just began to walk out what God had in store. So as you heard, I thought I was going to eventually go on to do Opera Theater St. Louis and, you know, travel to Europe <laughs> singing these amazing um, arias and things like that. But God had another plan for my life, you know, mm. um, and I quickly began to realize what that was in college, that his plan for my life was for ministry. It was mm. to use my voice, not in the way that I thought that 
he wanted to use my voice, but to use my gift to bring him glory. And so um, my grandmother literally turned down several recording contracts. I was offered all kinds of R&B recording contracts, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, and my grandmother kept saying, no, you can't have her. So she did not give me over um, to mm. the industry um, as a teenager. She said that, you know, she's got a, a lot of healing to do um, and God has a plan for her and we're not going to allow it to be cut off and cut short. So it was a it was an interesting transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you transitioned into yeah. ministry, but it sounds like ministry and the arts never. It sounds like they're the same thing, one and the yes, same. Absolutely. So, so how how did that how does that look? Uh, yeah. How did that form over time? Yeah. So. Um, when my voice teacher at the time when I was in college, although I was vocal performance was was the thing that I was in school for, she kept trying to encourage me to um, to study the education, music education, music education. She just kept saying, you really need to study music education. I was like, eh, I don't really want to be a teacher. <laughs> mm. I don't really want to teach music. But she kept trying to encourage me. And so I ended up not doing it. I started recording music and started doing local stuff, songwriting, um, and really kind of followed the Path of being a recording artist because I was writing so many songs. Mm. Um, so that's the direction I went in. However, um, there was a period of time in my life, by this time I'm married with children, um, I needed to supplement my income. And mm. um, I remember teaching my very first piano lesson to someone's child. <laughs> Uh-huh. So that started like, okay, and then she referred me to someone else, and then she referred me to someone else, and all of a sudden I became this music teacher, but teaching piano. Uh, and so it was a mobile piano business, literally, where I would go from home to home teaching yeah. piano to children yeah. and as a supplement. So I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. teaching, right? And I'm teaching music, but not in a traditional sense. And so for many years, I taught um, piano and voice lessons um, as a private instructor. So I went the private route um, mm. and eventually opened up a private music school um, back home in my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, um, and helped record many other artists and put together, you know, amazing uh, performing arts events and concerts and recitals. And so um, as I taught these students, I was also activating their gifts and discipling them all at the same time. And mm. so God began to reveal to me that it's not just about teaching them how to play the piano. I am sending you specific students that have a gifting, a very unique gifting. And I need you not only just to teach them theory and teach them how to play beautiful songs, but literally to activate their arts gift in the earth. And I said, okay, whatever that means. <laughs> so I didn't really have an understanding of what he was talking about, but I just kept teaching. <laughs> I kept teaching and the the more I grew in my relationship with the Lord, the more uh, intimate my relationship came uh, with him or evolved with him, the more I started to understand the gifts of activation and understood yes. how the creative arts, you know, plays a very vital role um, in God's plan in the earth because we serve a creative God. And from there, mm. this journey of just understanding not only music, but the creative arts in its totality began to really unfold and open. So I began to build relationships with poets and other musicians and, you know, other 
other songwriters and just people who have these amazing creative gifts in visual photography and visual arts. And my daughter um, started making um, pottery. And I was like, I'm surrounded by all this creativity. Something <laughs> is happening around me. <laughs> and yes. so I just began to nurture every person that God sent in my sphere of influence and their creativity looked Different, um, but the Lord gave me a little location called the Creative Arts Building in St. Louis, in the arts, in the heart of the arts district in downtown St. Louis. And so from there, he allowed me to touch the lives of over maybe hundreds of students um, to activate their gifts in the earth. And we still keep in contact today. So it's been an amazing journey. <laughs> Ooh, amazing. Oh, man. So wow. where are you? Where are you now? Where are you located? I'm here in Georgia. I'm back in Georgia now. So okay. Georgia, I, Georgia. Um, let's see. I moved to Georgia in 2002. Um, at the mm-hmm. time, I was a young wife and mother. Um, and then there was a period of time where I had to move back home to St. Louis um, and literally took care of my grandmother until she passed away. And so during that season of life of being home, um, I remarried my current husband now. Um, and then I opened the Creative Arts Building and did some other amazing things with the arts while I was back home. Mm. Um, so I, I'm understanding not only does God have a plan, but you really have to trust him with the process and with the journey because mm. he knows the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what we want. We know our heart's desire. Um, but ultimately, our heart's desire should be to please him and to glorify him and to fulfill the plan and purpose that he has in our lives. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I've learned to lean into him and lean into intimacy with him and just really surrender my gifts to him, the more he literally just takes me wherever he wants to. And he does these amazing things um, in our lives through creativity. It's a beautiful, it's been a beautiful experience. Oh, man. So now that you're in Atlanta, what are you up to? You're working Uh, with Cynthia? I am. (laughs) And I'm still trying to remember how Cynthia and I connect initially. It was through someone. Cynthia, do you remember our first interaction? Yeah, actually, I think our first interaction goes way back when we both volunteered for a organization that helps survivors of abuse. Yes. Um, And we were both at the retreat serving the young woman and just giving them inspiration through our art and through our gifts and just empowering them. And I know we met and we crossed paths. And then I think about, you know, a a couple months later or so, we met again somehow. We met Um, at Kezia Alford's P31 conference because I wanted to do something with the the teen girls. That's what it was. That's what it was. (laughs) You had me going and that wasn't even it. (laughs) I was listening. I was like, no. It's the proper like, no. 31 conference. Yes, that's how I met Cynthia. And then from there, because of her art, her amazing artistry as a poet, I said, hey, I produce this concert every year called For Our Daughters, Breaking the Cycle of Domestic Violence Through the Arts. Would you like to be our MC or a poet for this event? Um, mm. And so I've lended my voice to the cause of domestic violence and bringing other artists together to be able to just release what God has put on the inside of them to help facilitate healing and awareness. And so that's what I did when I first got back to Georgia. And that's how Cynthia and I connected. I was like, how did we connect? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for helping me. Creative activation. It was something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, I, I remember it had the thread 
of that piece of domestic violence or abuse. I do remember that key point and then using the arts to kind of bring healing through that. But yeah, you got the story right. I got it right. (laughs) I remember now. I remember. Yeah. And so, well, today you're definitely such a great help for creative activation and the ministry that I have. You're always so you're on my board of directors. And so you're always giving me great wisdom, great feedback. And I kind of go to you when I'm asking questions for different things and how to just move forward with it. And so I definitely, whether it's in your your creative gift with your voice and singing or whether it's just in your mentorship as a leader, I think you're someone who definitely adds value to different organizations and just to different people's um, journey because you've been through process like you talked about. And that process has been painful for you, but you haven't let it stop you. And I think every time I'm around you, I recognize that hope on the inside of you and it inspires me to move forward. And so I just know with everyone going right now, through all these difficult challenges and crisis. I know you're someone who knows that firsthand. And what kind of wisdom would you give someone now who's going through a difficult crisis and is trying to process all of that grief and all of that confusion? Mm -hmm. How do Mm -hmm. they get through that? Because even when you were talking, I noticed that there was such a surrender um, in your gifts. You wanted to play the violin. That's what you wanted to play. Like you didn't even think about singing. You wanted to play the violin and yet you had to lay that gift down and pick another one up. Yes. And I think sometimes creatives, um, we kind of want what we want, but mm-hmm. this is, there's this idea of sacrifice and leaning into what you don't expect. And I think you did that as well. So yeah, I know that was like two questions in one, but do you have any <laughs> thoughts or anything? I'd love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, if you recall, the biggest thing with surrender came through my intimacy with the Lord, right? Just understanding that I cannot be authentically in the earth who he's called me to be unless I have that level of relationship with him, right? So we have a gift and then we have a surrendered gift. And so we have to literally transition from, oh, I'm this gifted creative to this vessel that God is using to flow through in every aspect of my life. Um, Not just using the voice and what we say audibly, right, as as people who are called to voice activate uh, creatively in the earth, but also with what God wants to use with our hands, right? And so I think a lot of times what happens is we become so focused on the actual gift that we don't lean into the gift giver Mm, (laughs) because there's so many levels of creativity that he wants us to experience, not just one dimension of that. And so even starting off, like loving to sing in the children's choir and then developing this, you know, love for the violin and then going back to the voice, but then yielding myself to being a teacher of of the arts. Right. And then God using my creative gifts to help me design websites and God using my creative gifts to do all kinds of creative stuff, (laughs) whatever he (laughs) decides to do right in the earth. That comes from just being a surrendered vessel to him. And so if I can give any wisdom to anyone out there, it's lean into your level of intimacy with him. And there are places that he can take you through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have yet to experience. There's colors that you have yet to see (laughs) because you have not leaned into him. And so that's what I always tell people, no matter what platform I'm on, that you have to lean into the that level of intimacy with him, not become just a doer, but literally become a rested vessel in the presence and in the hands of God and watch what he's able to do with your gifts. Wow. That's yeah. powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. The resting yeah. part. 
The and I don't think creatives part. like to rest. I know they don't. They um, don't. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> they don't. They don't. But when you when you create from a place of rest, there's amazing things that he can do through you. Mm. Right. Um, I, me being an author and a writer. Right. Um, released the first book and it was effortless to just like, you know, to be that scribe and to write the words that God was saying and to walk through that process. And then now to be ready to release the second book, to have the concept, to have the outline, but then to feel some level of, huh, why can't I finish this project? You know, why do I have this writer's block? What is it that I'm not hearing? And I kept saying, God, why can't I finish? He said, well, you haven't been intentional about sitting down at my feet to really hear what I have to say. You are just trying to lean into your own creative thoughts and write things down and instead of doing like you did the first time and just really sitting at my feet and allowing me to speak through you. Right. And so there is a difference. There is a huge difference. And the more I lean into that and sit at his feet, the more it's effortless, the more I'm able to write, the more I'm able to create everything from songs to books to, like I said, website content for clients. Right. On my for profit side. Right. And so it's all creative gifting that's yielded to God. And he uses it not only to edify my personal life, but the lives of other people as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You did the true turnaround, which is not only did you using your art set other people free, but it set Mm -hmm. you free. Mm -hmm. And I just love that that cyclical process of when we allow God to really encounter us and we allow ourselves to go to those places of intimacy. Not only um, do we get set free in that, but he activates us to set others free. And there's a turnaround to it. And I believe that you walk in that with such grace and wisdom. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. When I think about the current events, that we have going on, all the racial tension, all the injustice, everything going on in our world today that is bringing so much grief and so much turmoil. The one thing I ask people when they're just downtrodden or what do we do or they're tearing their clothes is what is God saying about it? And how are you going to become the solution to that? And so I think creatives have a unique position where we could literally demonstrate in the earth what God is saying creatively whether it's on the side of buildings, like we see with some of the amazing graffiti art. Oh, yeah, that's I so just cool. wish I could be a graffiti artist, right? <laughs> or a painter, right? Yes. Or a painter and the things that we're able to create, right? So I think we have such a unique position. Even the songs that the Lord gave me during quarantine, that's all I did was write songs during quarantine. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do. I was like, I'm about to lose it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit in his presence. And every time I would I would do that, I would yield that, I would write these songs, right? And so whatever it is during that time of waiting that we find ourselves in, the more we lean into him, the more he gives us. Daily, he loads us with benefits. And a lot mm-hmm. of times we wake up saying, I just feel like I've got this block or I don't know what to do next. Daily, he loads us with benefits. If only we would just sit at his feet, and yield to him and allow him to just continue to pour into us. It's an amazing experience, an amazing encounter with Abba. I love that because it sounds like you're saying it's not that God's not giving us what we need to create. It's that we're not willing to pause long yes. enough to receive it. Yes. And I think that's powerful. Because that's, that's the exactly opposite of, it. I struggle with that. I'm really a busy bee. And so I love, <laughs> I love how you just said that right there. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I know the last conversation that I had with Cynthia, um, she connected me to um, 
Miss Jones. What was her first name? Lydia. Lydia, Lydia. Jones. Yes, of course, Lydia. Uh, we had this. We had a similar thing where we were coming around to mm. the idea of not having the expectations of artists being um, stretched thin or mm. on the outskirts or this this um, assumption that you have to be either mentally or even physically unhealthy for creativity to shine through you. And that's a really mm. weird expectation or, or assumption that a lot of people have about artists. Like you're supposed to kind of look strung out if, if we're going to, you know, have anything, you know, expect anything good. But you stand up to a mic and you look healthy and happy. It's like, great, what's this person have to say? But it's, it's a totally, uh, you know. It's a paradigm it's, shift. It is. And it's so unhelpful. It's so unhelpful to uh, <laughs> push artists to be unhealthy and then expect them to create great things. And there's obviously going to be outliers. There are, there's a lot of great art that has come from places of, of, um, of distress, but, but that's not something you shoot for. That'll happen. Mm -hmm. Distress comes mm -hmm. like, you sh I, I, I really think that when you look at the way that, uh, the Bible casts a vision for creativity, I think we're all supposed to be in this relationship with the Lord. We're all supposed to be um, doing whatever our calling is from a place of health. And you talk about mm -hmm. rest, for example, um, you know, a, a tenant of biblical faith is rest, like this idea mm -hmm. of Sabbath, like taking a day off, no work, you know, what is that? Put yes. that down, uh, you know, just stop. <laughs> and, um, yes. and the coronavirus definitely provided a moment mm -hmm. where we were forced to stop. But a lot of us, kept going not even saying that it was bad but like it's an interesting thing where it's like you know um maybe because of the slowdown we actually saw a, a burst of creativity because yes. our life changed you know our patterns changed into yes. a slower pace and and so that really revived you know kind of a creative spark but yep. but yeah i love this this theme that i keep hearing um from people that i think is relatively new which is like hey you should create from a place of health and mm -hmm. groundedness, not mm -hmm. from a place of um, distress or, <laughs> uh, you know, an unhealthy place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. The place of rest. It's amazing what we can create. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another thought that I have um, been, been that's been coming up lately is how the arts can be used as an opportunity to bring reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Um and so I'd be interested to, to have conversations with creatives around how the arts not only reconcile you back to God, but how your art and the demonstration of your art can reconcile others back to Christ, mm. um, especially during a time like this. And so that's one of the things I've been hearing a lot of, because I think, again, when you um, are, are, are leaned into that place of rest, you can begin to hear the heartbeat of God. And it's like, what do you want to do? You know, so when we start thinking about the seven mountains and the arts being one of those, how are we praying for the arts mountain? How are we praying that God will begin to release 
um, heaven through the creative arts into the earth to really stand on top of the current culture, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is feeding so much negativity, um, you know, sexual promiscuity, addiction, you know, anger and violence and all this. How can we as the kingdom literally stand on top of that to say, no, this is not what this earth is going to begin to produce. This is not the fruit that we want to see produced through the arts. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd definitely be interested in having more conversations around what does that look like and how do we begin to um, use our creative gifts to bring reconciliation in the world. Well, can we talk about it now? I, I, hey, does anybody have any ideas? I want you to tell me what your ideas are. I know. <laughs> I'm the host. I don't have any ideas. Come <laughs> That's on. why we pulled you in. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> so I think with, with what we're doing with creative activation, for example, um, as we pour into those creatives and we begin to pour into them and not only pour into them, but disciple them, right, to yeah. be stewards of their gifts also, but also to be stewards of the kingdom of God. So when we're teaching them how to steward their gift, we're, to, we're teaching them how to steward what God has given them to be able to advance the kingdom. And so mm-hmm. I just think that maybe we can do more with creative act, creative activations to teach the people what does it mean to be a kingdom steward Mm. right what does it mean to steward your gift in the earth and how Mm. is that producing fruit not only for your life meaning you're getting paid for it right (laughs) (laughs) right but you're also advancing the kingdom of god and so i don't really have any lofty ideas that come off the top of my head but i know that there's opportunity for us to continue to pour into them and for them to begin to really release what god is saying in very unique and creative ways so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely open for conversation, but I think well, we'd have to put our pulse on 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 the, the current climate of people who are called to the kingdom and called to be creatives in the earth and just see really where they are. Because unfortunately, at times like this, we see a lot of creatives begin to draw back because mm. they're so sensitive. Right. Mm. And right. So how are we really sharpening each other and holding each other up and discipling each other to keep forging forward because it's needed in the earth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the opportunities that you say practically, like you don't have a grand idea necessarily, but looking right. for those opportunities, that's I think that having like keeping things down to earth is super right. important. And because yep. big change doesn't happen Mm-mm. you know, in philosoph- philosophical conversations. Right. It happens when you see an opportunity and you take it. You make the world better uh in something that's at at your in reach of your hand. Um, right. That's something that I have recently felt really convicted about. Like I got off social media about a week ago or so, just completely mm-hmm. shut everything down. And I said, I'm going to stop looking at my phone and start looking up. Like wow. I'm going to start looking at eye level and seeing where I can change things, where I can mm-hmm. actually move things so that mm. that can and that means a lot of things as far as like in my own personal life like the conversations that i cultivate in my own home with my wife and my children about justice and about you know how we can sh- you know be examples of jesus uh even better than we have been and you know trying mm-hmm. to really strive to walk in in the way of jesus um but also like looking at, at my, the church that i go to and mm-hmm. um and our work at renew the arts like how can how can the things that I'm actually involved in. And of course, seeing the big picture is, is to some degree, there's an importance there. Like, you know, there, there are 
national conversations and even global conversations that are important to a degree, but like the proportion that of our attention is off. Like mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to spend 90% of your attention on the things that you can't change and then just 10% of your attention on the things that you can. Mm-hmm. And it should wow. really be reversed. You should give that 10% of your attention to the things that you don't have much opportunity to change, right? Yes. And then 90% of your attention to the things that you do have opportunity to change. Yeah, um, Yeah, but the, uh, the, the idea of, so going back to, to saying, you know, a lofty vision about this and just taking those, those practical opportunities. There is one thing that encourages me as we look to, as we consider the role of creativity in times of national crisis, like this isn't something new for Christians and it's something we find modeled in the Bible all the time. So whenever Israel, um, either in captivity or on their own, whenever they're really um, struggling with sin and injustice, like God has a modus operandi of speaking into this those moments. Like God has a preferred way of confronting injustice within his people. And it's called a prophet. And, and what these people are, are poets who call it out like it is in a way that cuts to the heart. So you see it all the time. Like if, if, there's, if there's reading in the Bible that people, in the, including myself, that I can look to and say, how does God deal with people groups in times of moral crisis, look to the minor prophets. It's there all the time. And, um, and I don't know, it's, there's obviously like we, when we're listening for the voice of God, you know, we pray and we read scripture. Um, another great place to keep an eye out for the voice of God in times of moral crisis is to listen to the poets. Yes. It's how he has spoken <laughs> so often before wow. throughout scripture. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, there's a chance he might still like to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I speak, like it. Cynthia, speak. <laughs> hey, snaps, snaps. <laughs> you know, I was like, yes, exactly. Listen I'm a to poet. the poet. <laughs> Listen to me. It's all about me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. But I will say, just based on what we're talking about, as I'm listening to you, Justice, and you, Chai, one of the most powerful things I feel like I'm getting and taking away from this is the power of living out what you speak. Mm-hmm. And to me, what I see a lot of the times is, yes, create art. Yes, speak out. Yes, listen to the poets and the prophets and the prophetic messages that we release. But I think one of the biggest limitations that the church carries and that other people carry sometimes is doing things and being hypocritical and not matching what you're doing or what you're speaking with how you're living. Mm. And to me, when you both talked about practicality and adding, you know, it's not some lofty vision or this lofty thing that we're searching for. When I think of that and I hear you guys speak, what I'm actually hearing is, well, if you're really going to take it to the practical place, it starts with each of us. It starts individually. It starts with heart change. 
I don't think we can develop as a community without the heart change that it starts yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. And so when you were even mentioning creative activation, I know with quarantine and the ministry that I'm running right now, it's been hard to kind of create that community. But I know once we can step back out and people can get back together, that one of my heart's desires, Chai, I know you have this heart desire, mm-hmm. is for us to be able to enrich the lives of creatives with practical resources and teaching that that can inspire them towards purpose. And so I just love what you were sharing and I love what you were sharing, Justice. But Mm. I I do believe that reconciliation starts with us as believers reconciling ourselves back to God. Not that we have to work for it. I'm not saying that. But just the practicality (laughs) of spending time with him and making sure that our heart is matching what we're speaking. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that I think that that's also I always I always bring things back around to the arts. It's just I'm so passionate about it. But like <laughs> it's a great way to tune your heart to, yeah. um, to like in the process of creating. It's like what naturally f- flows. You know what I mean? And uh, and searching your heart for being for hypocrisy, you know, mm-hmm. searching your heart for conflict. Um, is it James that says, you know, you don't get salt water and fresh water from the same well. That's right. So uh, see what's coming out of your mouth. See what's coming out of your heart. Uh, what is the product of your heart? Um, yep. And a great way to test that is to to produce, right? As far right. as like, you know, what's coming out of your mouth? You know, talk, <laughs> find out and uh, or write and see what see what comes out and search your heart. Mm. And um, mm. And then maybe those would be the first steps of creating some of those you know, some of those creative pieces that, that serves you and your community, you know, initially. Yeah. Yeah. The word of God says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'd like to add the chai version (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) out of of the abundance of the heart, the hands create. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's another side to look at it because we speak. Yes. But we also create with our hands. And so, when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke it and it was so, right? So mm. we serve an ultimate creative God, you know, and so <laughs> he's the master creator. And mm. so, again, I think what we're all trying to say is lean into him, you know, from a place of rest, from a place of repentance, from a place of reconciliation and watch him purge you and watch him pr- produce through you a fruitful life that. <laughs> that'll blow not only your mind, but ours too, <laughs> by what you're able to create. So I think that's the bottom line. Mm. I love that those was... three R's. Rest, <laughs> repent, reconcile. I caught it. I'm a poet. I can't help it. So I was like, now I'm going to go write a poem. And it's going to be called rest, repent, and reconcile. And I was ready for it. I'm just saying. If you're ready. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> So I have one question, Chai. Yes. Did you ever get back into the violin? No, but guess what? I'm teaching my niece to play. She's three years old. (laughs) How do you teach? Oh, this is fascinating. How do you teach without playing? Well, I have a basic fundamental understanding of the instrument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. And so you can teach it well enough to be able to teach fundamental basics until she's old enough. So with her being three right now, you know, I teach her from a three-year-old perspective. 
Um, she lives in California, so I only get a chance to spend time with her a couple of times a year. Of course, mm. none this year so far, right. which is breaking my heart. Mm. Um, and so eventually, as she gets older, once she turns about five, her mom will put her in private lessons and things like that, um, you know, in California. Of course, I can't right. teach private lessons every week. You know, and so that's, you know, hopefully even my daughter, I just remembered my um, youngest daughter played the violin for for a season. She's just got anointed hands. So mm-hmm. anything she does, she excels at. But she was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to play this violin. This is boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was hoping I would be able to live vicariously through her. And she was like, no. No. <laughs> but my niece Emerson loves the violin. She absolutely loves it. She's got a little bitty tiny one. Um, that that we practice on whenever I get a chance to see her. So I get a chance to experience it that way. <laughs> mm. So uh, something we do on the Renew the Arts podcast is we like to end every podcast episode with a song. Oh. And, uh, and I should have I should have given you, I'm terrible. I always do this. All of our <laughs> listeners, I apologize like every single time. Um, okay. So uh, be uh, you can either tell me now or you can say, uh, let me think about it and let you know later. But I want you to come up with a song. If you're willing to let us share it on our podcast, we would love to feature some of your music awesome. on uh, this podcast at the end of the episode. So people finish the episode. It can kind of listen through and hear hear your work after getting to Absolutely. know you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a, a new single. I haven't recorded. I'm actually here in the studio now. <laughs> Oh, I see that. Yeah, learning, learning to to self record. It's a little mm. challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the last project I did last year um, was the single I released called "Forgiveness," mm. and so I'd love to be able to share forgiveness with you um, to play over the airways, especially now during this time. I think you know the heart of what needs to happen. Um, through love and reconciliation is forgiveness. Because when we're able to forgive, we know that our Father in Heaven forgives us. And that's Mm. the perfect posture of our heart, one that is a heart of forgiveness daily. So Mm. I'd love to share that with you. That sounds great. Thank you so much. We'll go ahead and start playing that now. (laughs) Thanks again for being on the podcast, Jai. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative for the time. Thank you so much. And I know you have a podcast you're coming out with soon as well. And so how can people get connected with you? Is there a website that people can connect with you through? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got two. Um, my personal one is ChaiTMathias.com. That's C-H-I-T Matthias, M-A-T-H-I-A-S.com. Um, my, pa- my husband and I are Marketplace Pastors. So if you want to learn more about our work as Marketplace Pastors in the community, you can visit AgapeParadigmMinistries.org. Again, that's AgapeParadigmMinistries.org. Wow. Well, thank you, Chai. We love you. And I'm appreciative of you taking the time to join us. So thank you so much. Love you too. Love you guys. Thanks again. See ya. Thank you. Then slowly I
could feel the rain begin to fall the tears begin to flow till my heart could take no more forgiveness is not And the rain